You're listening to the Life Center Church Podcast. It's good to have Pastor Michael back and Pastor Emily back home. You know what? I found out who makes all the noise in our office. But it's good to have noise. Amen. Good to have them back. And, and I know the Lord touched them. And he always does. And you, you get to hear the last Sunday of this month what took place, what they experienced. You can't go to a refugee camp and not be touched. And uh, they heard stories and, and made re- relationships with people that, that God ordained. And uh, you will be touched by what they will share with you at the last Sunday of this month. You say, why so long? Well, Palm Sunday, Easter, and then we can have them. Uh, uh, share okay by the but anyway they have lots of pictures and you need to get them all you know taken care of so good to have you back praise god titus chapter two. Oh, i gotta hurry here we go starting with verse one now before i get into this let me just share this with you you know a pastor like myself gets up here every single week And we share, if if he's a good pastor, shares from the Word of God, right? And sharing, it's not just so that we can be heard. It's not just so that we can make a lot of noise. It's so that the people of God can get the Word of God and live the Word of God. But the sad reality is, I've known this ever since I was a youth pastor, and and sometimes we don't live what we've been taught. And I pray this morning we will live from this point on like we've been taught. But look look with me, verse 1 of chapter 2. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. (laughs) Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women in love and love their husbands and their children to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely, and you yourselves must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Slaves must also obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Because this is not just words on on a page of paper. This is the word of the living God. Your words to us. And I pray, God, that you'll help me to just step aside and you to go forward and minister and proclaim the truth as only you can. 
Lord, I pray that you will take over now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In the previous sermon, and Cheryl reminded me, it was a few weeks ago because of things that happened and trips and everything else. But we covered uh, Titus chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through 16. Paul was talking about the false teachers that had infiltrated into the church and, and told Titus that their, their, their mouths must be shut. They got to shut them up. Why? Because what they said, their words, were, uh, what they were sharing in their words, basically were turning whole families away from the truth. And that's a scary thing. <clears throat> and I read to you at that time that it doesn't take very long for, for a family to go away from the truth. And that's why it's so important that mom and dad and, and children carry on with the word of God. Because in very short order, within one generation, even before then, the family can be far away from God. After Paul exposed these false teachers and told Titus that they would be, must be silenced, he wasted no time in getting to the meat and the crux of what he wanted to share with them. So as we looked at, at verse 1 of that chapter, he says, As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. In other words, live like you're teaching and, so that others will follow you in the, in the way of the Lord. Paul was instructing this young teacher, this young preacher, Titus, to preach wholesome, and in other translations, sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Don't confuse it. Don't you know, misconstrue it, but teach sound doctrine. Because it's important for everyone in the church, uh, in the church that knows what God expects of them. God doesn't want to hide the truth from you. He wants to share the truth from you because the truth sets us free. Amen? And the only way that they will know is when God's word is preached to them. And so whenever someone gets to this pulpit, they better be preaching the word. Amen? Paul does this by dealing with different age levels. And so the first one he deals with is with the older men. And verse 2 goes on to say that. Now you would assume that the older men would rather, uh, after, all, after all these years walking in the Lord, be able to conduct themselves in the way that God would want them to go. And yet he mentions a couple of things here. He mentions six things about these older men that they should uh, be a part of their lives. And number one is uh, that older men must have self-control. You say, well, why, why, how come he hasn't learned that? I don't know, but sometimes as we get older, we, we lack on that self-control. The word for self-control here is nephololius, which means moderate. Young people live their lives to extreme. That's why you have extreme this and extreme this. You know, jumping over, you know, mountains and, and off cliffs and climbing, you know, all that extreme stuff. I get scared just looking at it, you know. But there's, there's nothing wrong with, those, those, you know, extreme sports or extreme eating or all those things. But, but, but there, sometimes you can be too extreme on these extremes. But the older man has lived long enough to, that he knows everything must be in moderation, right? It also says there that he must be worthy of respect. You know, as a man, you don't get respect because you demand respect. You earn respect. Did you hear that? 
The word used here is semnos, which means serious. It is opposite of being flippant or, or shallow or uncommitted. Uh, we sometimes refer to the elderly as going through their second childhood. Some of you are laughing because you know exactly what we're referring to. The cha second childhood is a nice way of saying that some older men get as wild as the devil. And we got to be careful about that. The reality is sometimes we become, we're older and we're a bit on the spoiled brat side of things and we want everything our way. And the Bible says, no, uh, that's not the way it is. Goes on to say that he must live wisely. The word here is saffron, which means self-controlled, disciplined, able to curb desires and emotions. Uh, something that their age is a license to sin. That, you can't do that, friend. With all due respect, sometimes you can, can find senior citizens are senior jerks. Uh-oh. <laughs> and some of you younger people know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Many, many of you saw a week or so ago, there was a, a senior citizen who happened to go into a Mexican restaurant and made the news and everything. And because he couldn't read, as he called it, Mexican at the time, and he didn't understand he was there on the wrong day because the, 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 the discount was on a, on a Monday and he was there on a Wednesday. And, and he went berserk in the restaurant and got all racial and everything else. He got nasty. He was a senior jerk. You say that only happens in the world. I beg to differ. It's happened in the church more than I want to proclaim and want to testify of. And you know it. You know it. There's nothing any more disgusting than, than an old man that should, be, should, should curb his emotions. But, but, but he's, he, he's, he's running around like a, a rebellious teenager. Let me just throw out a warning you know, sometimes our, our affections as older men towards the younger woman aren't always appreciated. Doesn't give you license to hug every young woman you see. Did you, did you hear what I say? And some of the ladies are saying, preach it, pastor, preach it. They don't invite you, don't do it. Right? Number four, he must be sound in faith. The word sound means healthy in the faith. Healthy. A young man has an excuse to be uh, being weak in the faith because he has not gone through things, not been around long enough to learn some of the valuable lessons that we learn over the years we've walked in the faith. In the physical realm, the older man, uh, believe it or not, my, you know, and I think you've had this guy's so told to you when you had young men, guys in your family, boys, there was a certain point where you had, you were stronger than them and, and he would taunt them by saying this is man's strength. But as we get older, man's strength is not, it just gets weaker. Can you open this bottle for me, son? In the spiritual realm, the older we grow, the stronger our faith should be. Amen? The stronger our faith should be. Number five, he must be filled with love. 
That is, as a Christian, the older man should not grow into an old gripe. The last thing a church needs is somebody that's a, an old gripe. Because we got plenty of those already. We don't need another one. All right? We must be filled with love that comes for our, from our deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? As we grow older, he gets sweeter, doesn't he? As we go through this situation and that situation, doesn't our faith grow in the Lord and, 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 and we love him more. And as we love him more, that should come forth out of our lives as, as we walk with him. And the longer we walk with him, the more loving we become. And sixth, and this is a hard one, he must be patient. The word patient, hippomino, it means to be have cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. Patience is a virtue that we learn over a period of time, but, but it is sad indeed when a man has lived a long life and has not learned to become patient. That's why I love to go fishing. Because it's called fishing, it's not called catching. And sometimes you fish a whole, right, Bob? You fish a whole lot and you don't catch a thing while the guy sitting next to you is pulling up every single time. It builds patience. I learned that long ago and just recently, uh, you know, Pastor, uh, the missionary in, in Fukuoka, Pastor Gonzalez, he, he's, he knows I like fishing. They live two blocks from the beach. He says that one morning we're going to get up and we're going to go fishing while we have you there. And he's not a fisherman. And so as I have my line out, it was windy and, and it's hard getting your line out. And I looked over there to, his, to him and he's there with a, a, a rat's nest in his line. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. And he sat there amazed as I just slowly but surely untangled his mess. And he says, man, you've got patience. If you don't have patience, try fishing, friend. Keep fishing. Keep fishing. Okay? It'll teach you patience. Paul's next addressee was the older women. Verse 3, we pick up there, and it says, Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Paul shows us that the older women, how they should conduct their lives. And so the first thing he says is live a life that honors God. Basically, we can sum that by the word holy. Holy. The word uh, is heropreppus, which means reverent, devout, different, set apart in purity and behavior. So as you go through life, they are focused in on the spirit of holiness. Uh, everything about her should, should, sound, uh, her should reflect that she is a holy woman. By the way she dresses, by the way she talks, by the way she looks, by the way she thinks, it should be a holy way of life. We're done playing the games. We're, you're done doing all the things that, that the world says you have to do. Now it's time to do things God's way. We live at a time and an age when many think that, that we have to continue to look younger and act younger and people will go to great lengths to appear younger. But my friends, that, that's just a facade. What's in your hearts? Many times they end up looking silly and hideous anyway. <laughs> right? I believe that you should look and behave the best way a person your age should and could. And just take it for that. Okay? 
Second thing, should be, she should not slander others. Simply put, she should not be a person who would falsely accuse or be a gossip. A person who goes around talking about others behind their backs. You should know better by now. Third thing, she says that she should not be a heavy drinker. Let me sum up by saying the Lord has never encouraged us to put into our bodies what will control our bodies and our minds. So if you're drinking to fit in, to calm your nerves, to give yourself boldness and make you happy, then you're substituting the thing that the Holy Spirit will truly do for you. Be filled with the Spirit, not drunk with wine. The fourth thing, we should be a teacher. She should be a good teacher of good things. Our world is suffering because there's a lack of good mentors in our lives. Good examples. You older women who have had some life experience can be of great benefit to our younger women on how to live life that is pleasing to the Lord. Not pleasing to this person or that person. Pleasing to the Lord. Not to get into this circle of friends or that circle of friends, but pleasing to the Lord. And how to be good wives and good parents. Our young people are suffering because the parents aren't there anymore. And aren't being good parents. All these things will take place in the lives if you live a life that is honoring to the Lord. Paul now turns to the young women. The young women. When Paul addresses the young women, he ties it back to the older women. Remember the last thing that we're told that the old women should be doing is she should be teaching good things. What are the good things she should be teaching the young women? Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, the older women must train the younger women to know their husbands, to, to, to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands, and they will not bring shame on the word of God. So it's simple. Love your husbands. Love your children. Live wisely. Sound mind, self-control, be pure, clean, innocent, modest, work in your homes, manage your household, and, 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 and manage your house and your household. Let's face it, even if you have to work outside of the house, you still are the manager of that household. Right, ladies? Because us guys just don't do it right and never will. <laughs> be good, it says, to be good. And then it says to be submissive to your husbands. The word submissive is hopotasso, which means to be put under, subdue with, submit self unto. There are many in our society that say, that want, say, take that verse out of the Bible. Don't want it. Don't want it. But I promise you, and I would preach to you the whole Bible when I came here, right? That's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And this is what the scripture says. So can I sum it up in this way? This statement, if a woman will love her husband as the scripture says she should do, and if a man will love his wife as the scripture says that he should do, there will not be a problem with a woman submitting to her husband. Period. And if you're not loving your husband like that, then you, young women and old women... You better ask the Lord to do some work in your heart as you pray for the Lord to change 
his heart. Amen? But remember, you are responsible for your actions, not his, as you stand before God. Why should the older woman teach the younger women? The last part of verse 5 says, then they will bring then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Either we believe this or we don't. To the younger men, he goes on to say, and I've got to hurry up here. Verse 6 goes on to say, in the same way, note this young men. He says, in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. That's the only comment that he makes for the young men, believe it or not. But it's not because he, he, does, he needs less instruction or that he's not important. Why is it the only command that he gives the young men is this one? Because the word wisely is a word, sephronio, which means restraint, curbing emotions, and discipline. There's a time in every young man's life when he realizes that, that girls no longer have cooties. And they don't, they, and, and they, they don't no longer pull on ponytails or poke them in the side and, and, and try to get their attention and they don't know why they're doing this. The reality is that they understand there's a fairer sex and they look pretty good. At this time, the young man needs to learn to curb his emotions, right? God made you that way, young man. So that you could be the aggressor in the relationship and find the young woman that will be for yourself. But this is the very reason that God inspired you and inspired Paul to tell the young men, curb their emotions, restrain them. Let me, let's just say this. Young men, you are not animals. You can and must stay pure before the Lord. Because you, that woman that will be your wife someday deserves it. And, and so does the Lord. Believe me, the Lord has someone very special for you. If you'll just pay attention and have patience. He's got her picked out so special, you'll, 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 you can't even imagine how special it will be. And he, doesn't not, he, you, he wants to save you from a lot of hurt emotions and a broken heart. And so do it God's way, and you'll forego a lot of that pain when God brings you the right one at the right time in your life. Amen? Amen. And lastly, he goes on to ministers and teachers, verses 7 through 6, I mean through 8, I'm sorry. And he said, after Paul teaches the old men and the old women and the young women and the young men, he, he, he next goes to the ministers and teachers. Paul has a few things to say to them. He says, for, for instance, be an example to them by doing good works. Teachers and ministers, do be an example. That word example comes from the word tupos, which literally means to make an impression and to do with a dye or to mold, to be a form. In other words, your life is an example to be set. A minister and teacher can never mold lives for the Lord Jesus Christ if the pattern of their work has not set the, the, the goal. I can't ask you to do something if I'm not doing it in my own life. 
Whether we're preaching from the pulpit or teaching a learning our class, we have not only to believe this Word of God, we have to live out the Word of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can't just say amen on Sunday and then go out and do something else the rest of the week. Whether we are preaching or teaching, we got to do it God's way. Ministers and teachers should be an example of good works and, and live their lives according to the doctrine that they teach. And what are they to be examples? The first thing is they are to have integrity. That is, as they preach and teach, they do not have corrupt motives. It's all honestly and openly before the Lord. One of the temptations for ministers and teachers is to do things that, that they would do for the wrong reasons. It's a temptation for ministers and teachers to try to impress those they preach and teach with the word of God. I, I, never, I, I get up here with fear and trembling, my friends, but many do not. And you've heard of them, you've seen them over the... There's people in church not today because of a preacher or a minister that, that had an, an, an ulterior motive for their preaching and hurt them. For the example, some of them have corrupt motives. They want to show their preaching styles. They come, come in with the charisma. They, they come in, uh, they flaunt their education. They flaunt their mastery of the language. They, 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 but they preacher and teacher does, they, they, they have corrupt motives. And then it goes on to say that they preach and teach with seriousness. Seriousness. A preacher cannot prevent accusations being made against him, but he can make sure that the accusations are not true. Look at verse 8 as we come coming to a close here. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. That's the last thing he says to them. And then he goes on to say to the workmen, verses 9 and 10. He says slaves there. Well, when was the last time you talked to a slave? Probably the last time you're sitting in that, that line working on whatever project and saying, man, we're slaves to this job, aren't we? So I'm going to translate that to say workmen. Paul has something to say. Number one, be obedient to those who are your masters, your bosses. Be obedient. Number two, you don't need to talk back to your bosses. Number three, don't steal from your employers. That's rampant in our society today. That word steal, it's a word that means to embezzle, to keep back, to hold back. A lot of Christians feel justified in stealing because they, they feel like they're not getting their due. So if I take a little this, a little that, and fill up my toolbox or fill up my garage or my house with the things the boss has, he won't miss it and we'll just be blessed. That's stealing, friends. That's stealing. Many steal by not working when their boss is paying them. Ooh, that could be told to everybody. You spend a lot of time around the cooler or sitting under a tree. You want examples? Look at Caltrans. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. There is no excuse for Christians to steal. None. 
When you steal from someone, you are taking something that belongs to someone else. Many steal by not working when the boss man is paying them to work. Let me conclude. As we close this morning, I want to challenge you to live what you've been taught. Don't just walk out of this place any, any given Sunday when the Word of God is given and say, that's good, preacher, on, on Sunday, but, but not living it out. We don't, don't ever bring this just for us. We bring it for all of us together. That we better be better Christians when we leave the house of the Lord. That's the bottom line. I want to challenge you to live what you've been taught. If you have been a part of any good Bible teaching church, whether this one or another one, you have had solid biblical teaching. If you want to have a blessed life, if you really want to have a life that, that you can stand up and be proud of when it's all said and done, when your final days are over, when you stand before the Lord, do it God's way. Do it God's way. It just seems that too often we have people that come and go. And do you realize that the average person in, in America, not just California, attends church once every eight weeks? That's the latest statistic from Barna. One time out of eight weeks, that's when they show up for church. How in the world can they be a Christian? How? When Hebrews 10, 20 says, 25 says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Even more, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, encourage them to come together. Why? Because is there a world out there that wants to take you out and take you and nullify your testimony? We're strong when we come to the, in the presence of the Lord together. We're strong when we live according to the word of God. We live lives that declare the glory of the Lord instead of, oh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I obey and sometimes I don't. No, do it consistently before the Lord and see what the Lord will do in you and through you for his glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you bow your heads with me? Some of us have to get real with God this morning. Maybe you're here and you, you don't know him. And we're going to have communion here in just a moment. Or maybe you're here and you, you know him, but you just haven't been faithful to him. And maybe that's something that the Lord has shown you this morning that stir you to a place where you say, Lord... Like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me, maybe you don't have a whole family, but you got you. And you say, as for me, Lord, I am going to serve the Lord. I'm going to live my life according to his word, your word. Not my emotions, not my fears or worries. I'm going to live according to the word. Because when I'm fearful, I'm taking things into my own hands. When I worry, I'm doing the same kind of thing. Lord, I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to put my faith in you and trust you. And to see the mighty hand of God moving in my life. 
like you have wanted to from the start. Thanks for joining us. For more information on Life Center Church and our ministries, visit lifecenterchurch.com.